Thanks for coming in, Mr. Mahoney. Do you have your member ID card? Yep, I have it right here in the FEP Blue app. See? Great. It's can I... awesome. The app can also help me find a provider and keep tabs on my deductibles. Okay, can I... Oh, yeah, and my out-of-pocket spending and visit limits, and I can call the nurse line. I'm really glad it does all that, but I only need to see your member ID card. Oh, that's it? Why didn't you say so? Fearless is just one tap away. With the new FEP Blue app from Blue Cross and Blue Shield, you can access your health benefits on the go. Download it now at fepblue.org app. You are Locked On Packers, your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And you are Locked On Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com, part of the Scout.com network, which brings you some of the best NFL and college football coverage anywhere. And this is a special Saturday edition and a wild and crazy Saturday it was where the Packers gained six undrafted free agents and lost a Pro Bowl guard. And that's where we'll start with first down, the shocking release of left guard Josh Sitton. Three things strike me about the Sitton transaction. First and foremost, and really the only thing that matters for this season, is who starts. I think there's two likely prospects here. One would be Lane Taylor. He's going to be a two-year, $4.15 million restricted free agent contract during the offseason. Probably for this very scenario, whether it's starting this year or, or next year because of free agency. He played well last season in two starts, did not play well this preseason, and including the Kansas City game on Thursday night where he allowed one sack and was penalized three times. The second option would be Don Barclay. He started 22 games in his career, all at tackle. He's been so-so at tackle. This training can't be moved to center because of the Corey Lindsley injury and played pretty darn well. So I would think he could probably fit in that guard pretty well. And then the third option, which a couple of people asked me about on Twitter, would be, what about Brian Balaga? You know, I don't think they would do that, though. The veteran right tackle hasn't taken any snaps at guard during training camp. And then who would replace him at right tackle, right? Well, that would probably be second-round pick Jason Spriggs. Well, he played some right tackle in, during the offseason and the start of camp, but hasn't taken any right, right tackle snaps in weeks. So my guess it would be Taylor and Barclay, really the, really the only true options here. Either way, though, and this is leading into my second point here, it's going to be a step back. I mean, that that's, you know, breaking news, right? With that said, last season was not Sitton's best year. In fact, it was his worst career. According to stats, Sitton allowed six and a half sacks and eight penalties, with six of those penalties being for holding. Now, two of those sacks were against the Vikings in that season finale when he played left tackle. Still, over his previous years as a starter, Sitton allowed a total of six sacks. So six sacks before compared to six and a half last year. And in 2014, he allowed no sacks, penalized three times, including just once for holding. So that, to me, points to a declining player. And also of note here, you know, this is obviously not just a Josh Sitton sack, but Green Bay ranked 24th in the NFL last year in yards per carry on runs behind left guard. So I think it's fair to say that Sitton is not his best anymore. And at that price... You wonder if, if you're maybe better off going for a cheaper model. Again, I'm not spinning this as that as Lane Taylor is a better player than the Josh Sitton, but either but it's possible you could say that Lane Taylor or Don Parkley is a better bargain at the position for what you're going to get. Now we'll see, obviously, how these guys pan out and if Sitton has a bounce back here. And then number three, you know, speaking of finances here, the Packers saved six point three million dollars on this year's salary cap. That's a lot of money. You know, I've gone over this time and again at PackerReport.com. The Packers have salary cap problems. You know, and 
this is the way the NFL was built back when they put in the salary cap all those years ago. It was meant to bring the bad teams down to earth and raise the bad teams up. And Green Bay has avoided this. Green Bay and New England really are the only two teams that have avoided this trap. And they've done it different ways where New England's let go of high price guys and filled them with kind of middle-of-the-road price guys. But Green Bay has consistently kept their guys, whether it's Rodgers or Randall Cobb or Jordy Nelson or Morgan Burnett or Sam Shields and so on and so on. They've kept their player. They've kept their top players, which meant before the sit and move, Green Bay had 12 players taking up two-thirds of the salary cap. They made them the most top-heavy team in the league cap-wise. It's really an unsustainable thing when you put it into the context of who's coming up for free agency this year where you have where you had Sitton, you've got TJ Lang, you've got left tackle David Bakhtiari, and you've got that 2013 draft class of Dayton Jones and Eddie Lacy and Bakhtiari and a few other guys there. And then you also have you also have uh, you know Jared Cook, maybe he's worthy of a contract. So Green Bay is going to use going to need this money and at 6.3 extra million dollars that they can either use to give somebody an in-season extension or to roll in the 2017 cap. So either way, there's financial benefits here. This segment of Locked On Packers is brought to you by PackerReport.com and Scout.com. Scout's fantasy site is host of the World Fantasy Championships, and our fantasy insiders have helped a lot of people make a lot of money. And if your company is interested in talking to men between the ages of 18 to 44, you really should be sponsoring this podcast. Locked On Packers is listened to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 to 44. So if you want men 18 to 44, this is your spot. Plus, our rates are reasonable. Email me at packwriter2002 at yahoo.com to find out more. On the second down, and what a roster this is. You know, you go into the draft basically every year, and you look at the Packers roster, and you realize, hey, this is a really good team. What do they need X number of draft picks for? They should trade half of those away, move up, and go for quality instead of quantity. So wholly out of left field. They they kept all seven draft picks and six Count them six undrafted free agents. They give them 13 rookies on this roster. They kept quarterback Joe Callahan. They kept running back Brandon Burks. And in both those cases, that's your number three quarterback and number three running back. They kept two corners. One was Josh Hawkins, two McIntyre Dorland. Dorland, the surprise there. I mean, he's, he played in one preseason game because of a hamstring injury. So you wonder if he's maybe just a placeholder for a for another transaction coming down the road, or if they just really like his upside, and we just didn't see it. They also kept two safeties, one Kentrell Bryce, no surprise there, and the second Marwin Evans. A surprise there only because they only have six safeties, but Evans certainly deserved a roster spot. And I mean, what a story that guy is. He went undrafted out of Utah State. He got a tryout at Seattle's rookie camp, and couldn't even get signed. So here's a guy who didn't get drafted, didn't get signed after a rookie camp, and here he is on Green Bay's roster. He had a terrific training camp. He's a big physical guy with, with a lot of upside down the road. Okay, third down, some by-the-numbers stuff. Zero, as in zero long snappers. We'll get into that in a second. Three, as in three inside linebackers. The Packers cut Sam Barrington and Carl Bradford, meaning, they've, meaning they only have three inside linebackers on the team. They'll be your starting pair of Blake Martinez and Jake Ryan and holdover slash special teams guy Joe Thomas. Surprising the Barrington move, although like I pointed out on my Friday podcast, I thought I thought Ryan outplayed Barrington 
in that preseason game. I, I guess it just boils down to Barrington's injury history and, and not quite as much upside as with Ryan. Six, as in six safeties, as I just mentioned before. That's starters Morgan Burnett and Ha, Clinton Dix. Top backups Micah Hyde and Chris Banjo. And then the undrafted rookies, Evans and Bryce. Six is a huge <laughs> I mean, you, you need four corners at times. You never need a whole bunch of safety. So that's an interesting deal there. Six cornerbacks where they kept Dorlington Hawkins and got rid of uh, Robertson Daniel. An interesting thing here, I think, is Green Bay goes with athleticism and playmaking ability, especially with Hawkins with the two interceptions, over Daniel who has the size. I mean, everybody in the league seemingly wants size. Except the Packers. I mean, Green Bay doesn't want short guys, but they don't want big guys either, it seems. They, they like middle-of-the-road guys who make plays in a ball, and they must see that with Dorling and Hawkins. Seven, as in seven wide receivers, where they kept Jeff Janis at the broken hand. They kept fifth-round pick Trevor Davis with a shoulder injury. I'm not sure if those injuries will keep either of those guys out into the regular season. And got rid of Geronimo Allison. And finally, 14, as in... Of their last two drafts, they kept 14 of their 15 draft picks. In 2015, that would be Demarius Randall, Quinton Rollins, Ty Montgomery, Jake Ryan, Brett Hundley, Aaron Ripkowski, and from the practice squad last year to a promotion, defensive lineman Christian Ringo as the fifth defensive lineman. And they kept all seven draft picks for this year. Kenny Clark, Jason Spriggs, Kyler Fackrell, Blake Martinez, Dean Lowry, Trevor Davis, and Kyle Murphy. So for a team that's always among the youngest in the league, having all those young guys is going to keep this team maybe first or second, I would think, on the, uh, on the youth meter. And before I get the fourth down, I would like to remind you to please check out my coverage at PackerReport.com, where we have not one, not two, but three stories on the release of Josh Sitton. When you get rid of a Pro Bowl and All-Pro kind of player, it definitely deserves a lot of extra coverage to break down what in the heck just happened. And also have a uh, position-by-position look of, at the uh, roster as it stands. And while you're checking out my stuff, I would uh, also recommend that you go to Locked On NFL and Locked On Fantasy, as well as Locked On Jaguars for a look at the Week 1 opponent. And finally, on the fourth down, and that would be there are zero long snappers on the roster. Zero. So that serves as the perfect reminder to tell you that this might be the 53-man roster, but it is not the 53-man roster. There's a waiver wire to go through or you know, maybe there's a better option on the D-line or running back or whatever. So there's moves to be made here, obviously. So I, I, wouldn't, get, I wouldn't get too up in arms about who, who they kept. Let's just kind of just wait and see how this all shakes out. And as I was getting ready for this podcast, I got a, a text from a source saying that the Packers had worked out longtime former Packers long snapper, Brett Good on Friday. Clearly, this is a kick-the-tires kind of move. As you remember, Good tore his ACL at, at Oakland in December. So he's about eight and a half months removed from that injury. So I'm, I'm sure the Packers want to see if he's ready to go. And if he is ready to go, I, I would expect him to make the signing. Remember, I don't think he had a bad snap in his time here. I mean, he was as automatic as automatic gets. And let me look. I mean, that's what you want in a long snapper, right? You want your long snapper to be Mr. Anonymous. So if that knee checks out and if he can run... 45 yards and go tackle somebody. I would suspect that he's going to be the guy. So with that, I will bid you a happy weekend. Thanks for listening. And I will talk to you on Monday.
Is Democracy in Danger or Decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst.